Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode 82 with the delightful Andrea Swenson. Yes, Andrea Swenson of NPR. Minnesota Public Radio. Yep, the current, uh, for you non-Minnesota Minneapolis residents, that is a independent rock music station affiliated with Minnesota Public Radio. And a music blogger and a musician in her own right. Andrew, and, and a podcaster. A and fellow podcaster with The OK Show. Yes. A fantastic look into the real lives of musicians. Andrew Swenson, a woman of many musical interests and talents, joined us on the show to talk about curiosity. Something that informs her line of work, her personal passion projects, and I think uh, music in general as an art form certainly she is a genuinely curious person <laughs> that clearly comes through from the get-go she's voraciously just, curious yeah man super authentic it was really cool to have her on the show sometimes people are curious about podcasting vince oftentimes yeah it's like oh what goes into that how do you do that uh, what do where do i put the where do i put the thing and then i have the file and then guess I, what it's easy it's pretty easy i tell them uh, anybody who asks me about podcasting who wants to get a podcast started, I say, use Simplecast uh, the easiest way, truly, at least from my experience, to get your podcast onto the internet, onto a web player, onto iTunes. It's really cheap and so easy. I have I've involved with other podcasts that use that platform. Yes, I know yes. people who have podcasts that use that platform. A friend of a friend of a friend. It is truly simple and intuitive and they get out of the way and let you make your show and help people listen to that show. Aptly named then, Simplecast. Simplecast.fm for some more information on that. Shouts out to Simplecast for making a great product and for supporting 10,000 hours. <laughs> thank you for that. And thank you, Andrew Swenson, for joining us for this episode. And thank you, listeners, for listening. I hope you enjoy episode 82, Curiosity. That was almost pretentious of me to like say <laughs> now, obvious. Yeah, now you have flipped it again. God, <laughs> what have I done? Okay, okay, okay. Mr. Right. Vince, Mr. Vince. Mr. Grant, what's going on? Uh, no, no, no. You don't ask me that. <laughs> Mr. Vince, could you tell me not at this very moment, but just perhaps more generally. What mm. are you currently putting your time into? What are you working on? Nice of you to ask, Grant. Good to hear from you. Hey, again. no problem. What a pleasure. Uh, well, this week uh, I'm working on at the office Animal Humane Society, which is a great cause and a cool organization. So I always like doing advertising. That's actually for something I believe in. Doesn't happen all the time, as I'm sure people in the industry know. Uh, and then today I was just doing some proofreading for a friend of mine's new blog. I'll be sure to mention that in a couple of weeks when it goes live, but uh, just helping out in an editorial capacity, uh, which is ironic because I don't know anyone in the world who makes more 
uh, typos or errors per sentence than I You know, I could actually back that up, that last claim. (laughs) It is, I kind of chuckle to myself as I look through the show notes every week and I go, huh? (laughs) Wait, wait, Vince is a writer by trade. (laughs) It's more conceptual what I do. Oh, yes. You're truly creative. You don't worry so much about execution. Down grammar rules. Exactly. That's a commodity. You're sort of separating yourself from the, the plebes. Exactly. Well said, Grant. Uh, but that's what's been keeping me busy. What about you, Grant? What's what are you? What are lovely, you? Lovely, lovely. Uh, just jamming. Uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, prepping for that show I have coming up, and uh, yeah, really excited about that. But putting on an event is a lot of work, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, just uh, making some art, getting it printed, getting it hung. Got a DJ set I'm working on right now for that, and uh, it's coming together. It's going to be good. So you- You've got the double whammy. You have to be like the host. And you have to curate the like exhibit, and then you also have to DJ the event. Yeah, there'll be a bunch of DJs. There's like five or six, I oh, think. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it's it'll just be like an hour, but it'll it'll probably be nice. I feel like events like that are kind of like a grad party where it's like. You know, as people walk up, they're like, oh, what college are you going to? What are you studying? <laughs> it's like I can now just go play some music. You have to music. read the script every time with a bunch of people. Yep. yep yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> but speaking of musically inclined things, perhaps uh, I'm very excited to welcome this guest uh, on the show. It's sort of tragic. We love having Minneapolis guests because we typically would get to actually see them in person. High five, riff, hug. Yeah, we we together. hug. We we kiss all of our guests, of course. And uh, but uh, she is. Super active in the music community in Minneapolis. I feel like if you're paying attention at all in the Minneapolis music scene, uh, it'd be hard to not be at least aware of her. Uh, and she is a radio host, a music writer, blogger. Uh, I think uh, now a fellow podcaster, which is really exciting, uh, with the OK Show. Um, and that is Andrea Swenson. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Hey. Man. I was so excited to like see you and talk to you because I've now heard your voice <laughs> quite a bit, especially after listening to a few of the episodes of the OK Show, which is fantastic, by the way. Oh, I, thank you. I specifically loved the episode with Claire DeLoon, friend of the show, and that was just really cool. You, you're both such like sweet humans. Aww. And it's like hearing you guys talk was a real treat. Thank you. Well, yes, I'm sorry. The snow kept me buried in my home. Yeah. So for context for listeners, we are all recording in separate areas right now because there is like a foot and a half, it seems, of snow outside. Huge snowfall here in Minneapolis. It's still the city coming. is completely inundated and it doesn't look like it's letting up anytime soon. So we just have to rely on each other's voices today. Yeah, that'll do. I, I'll, yeah. Um, so when I first talked to Andrea about being on the show... There was one thing that came to mind right away, and I think if you've listened to uh, your show, if you listen to that podcast, if you hear you talking at any of the events or read your music blogging, uh, it comes through that there's just this natural curiosity and genuine passion you have. And so today we are talking curiosity. Um, I think that's something Vince and I try to cultivate. Do we not, Vince? Uh, yeah, I'll speak personally. I, I really do try to cultivate it, and I think it's really clear that you do as well, Grant, given, if nothing else, the sheer number of things that you're involved in. Yeah, sure. So before we get into that, though, perhaps 
uh, I can do the honors this week of asking you, Andrea, uh, what are you currently working on putting your time into? Oh, let's see. Um, well, I just took over the local show at The Current in uh, early January. So right now I'm still kind of getting my feet wet with that and getting in a rhythm of putting out a show every week. Can you um, can you tell people what The Current is for those of us uh, yeah. for who aren't in now? Yeah, so The Current is um, predominantly indie rock music station, although we play a bunch of other genres too. Um, it's owned by Minnesota Public Radio, so I work in downtown St. Paul. And, um, yeah, it's just like a cool <laughs> indie pub- public radio station. Sure. We get to kind of play whatever we want and do whatever we want. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've been blogging for them for the last four years. And um, earlier this year, I moved into the role of uh, producing and hosting the local show. So that's every Sunday night at 6 o'clock. It's a two-hour show that's all Minnesota music. And there's definitely plenty to keep track of here. So two hours is not even really enough each week. But um, it's a great way to kind of listen to all the new local music and keep up with what's going on. Um, Also, I have, as you mentioned, a podcast, The OK Show, which um, I've been doing every week, although I kind of do it in like eight week bursts and then I'll take a month off to book more guests. Um, so I'm wrapping up that uh, second season of that right now. And that's um, a podcast talking to musicians about uh, basically just their real lives, problems that they have, issues that they've had to overcome, and then how that comes across in their music. Um, and I'm also writing a book. <laughs> so, oh, no yeah. kidding. We, yeah, um, I'm an author for the University of Minnesota Press, and I'm writing my first book right now, and it is a history of uh, the Minneapolis sound and the roots ah. of the Minneapolis sound. So um, it starts in the 1960s with some really awesome soul groups and then moves through like the R&B and funk of the 70s and then ends with um, Prince kind of exploding and coming out of Minneapolis. <laughs> Fantastic! I feel like it's un- it's undeniable curiosity then that you have to like <laughs> dig that deep, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I get bored pretty easily, so I'm just always kind of looking for the next thing to do. <laughs> I can relate. Certainly. So I'm. That's a great place to start, I think, and I I hopefully and I think it will throughout the course of the conversation will kind of unravel more kind of your personal path and how you've come to where you are, but maybe. The first thing we should talk about is what does curiosity mean to you in the context of your job or in the creative context or just in general? Is it is it that simple? Is it fighting off boredom or is there something else to it? Um, I think it's I, I think of it in two ways. I think of it personally in that like I really just can't handle anyway and like um, plateauing or having moments where I'm not like kind of either challenging myself or, or I have like maybe like a, um, you know, period between projects that kind of stuff drives me insane. (laughs) And I struggle with like some pretty wicked, like anxiety and depression and stuff. And that it really rears its head when I don't keep myself busy. So personally, I just like, like to be busy in for that reason. And then, um, musically, like with my job, I just, I'm, I think that the day that I stop finding um it exciting to discover new music and listen to new sounds and 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 think about where we're going next and just kind of fall back on you know either like stuff that i'm nostalgic about or or stop wanting to discover i think i would have to just stop (laughs) working in music because that would be really really sad and um the the thing that really keeps me going and i think of it kind of like a renewable resource is that moment when i 
either go to a show and see a new band and they just blow me away or I click on something and it's something I've never heard before and it's and it's really good and it, it just kind of comes out of left field. Like those moments kind of propel me forward in what I'm doing. Ooh, totally. I feel like there's a... I occasionally, especially when we're like DJing, I live with a bunch of DJs now and like occasionally I will just give give out a yell of like, yeah, like I can't, I'm not even controlling it. It just comes out of me. I feel like those moments are moments I'm chasing, just absolutely genuinely hyped on something. Yeah, it's exciting. Totally. Wow, nice. The spontaneous combustion, the exclamation <laughs> of excitement. Uh, that, yeah, the moment of discovery is a really important thing. I think uh, in just a more general creative sense, it's kind of a, a major backbone in in creation. Being a creator is always finding new things to keep you interested, churn up and turn into something new yourself. Um, totally. Discovering new things is kind of goes hand in hand with creating new things in a way, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, okay. So this is interesting to me. Your a lot of the work you're doing, Andrea, is it it's creating around creation. Um, yeah. And I find that to be really interesting. I think I definitely have a, a element of that, of that interest, sort of the geek that uh, gets really excited about, you know, the actual creators, the behind the scenes, the process. Um, I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about either the roots of that or like how you view that whole thing. Because like a lot of the stuff you're doing is is talking about musicians or talking with musicians or, you know. Yeah. I mean, I guess the first root of it is that I myself am a musician. Yes, there we go. Um, <laughs> um, and I, I, I kind of think of it as a closeted thing because I don't really want to, like, I don't know. I, I think of it kind of strangely, like, I don't want to put it out there that much that I'm a musician because I don't play shows. I'm not in a band. I can't really relate to what a lot of people go through, like, in their day to day lives when they are working as a musician. Mm-hmm. But I've played music pretty much my whole life. And, um, it's a, it's a huge passion of mine and something that I, um, I like to do to de-stress and to explore my own creativity. And, um, recently I've been studying jazz, so I've gotten really into like improvising and there's been some like really cool crossover for me of like how that's affected my writing. Um, just kind of trying to like open up my mind a little bit and, um, yeah, so that's, I think that's where the root of it comes in is that I feel like a really deep connection to just like the, the act of creating music and what that can do to you like physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll put like ever share that more? No. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'll never say never, but sure. um, I don't have any desire for anyone to hear me. <laughs> just because the motivation for that is not to share it. It's, it's just for you. Yeah. It's purely selfish. Uh, yeah, it's just a creative pursuit that I find to be really uh, therapeutic and cool. And, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I guess in some ways it's kind of like diary, like writing in a diary. Sure, yeah. Right. yeah it's, it's a meditative uh, act in a way. Definitely. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so maybe bring us back even uh, with your history a little bit in terms of like at what point you got involved in like music writing or music reporting or that whole world. Yeah, um, it was an interest starting in high school. Um, I read music criticism really um, just hungrily. I was kind of just obsessed with getting the daily papers and reading all the music stuff and then like going to the record stores and buying what they're writing about and then seeing if I agreed. And um, 
And yeah, so then when I was in college, um, I started as a music major, actually classical piano. And um, just as a way to kind of break up my five hour rehearsals (laughs) um, in a room alone, I started uh, offering to do album reviews for the student newspaper there. And um, that was at Hamlin in St. Paul. And I really liked that. I took a journalism class as one of my electives, and I really liked that. And um, it just kind of started happening kind of in tandem and off to the side. And I still didn't quite think of it as something that I could, like, actually do. It just was like, well, this is interesting. Um, So then I actually dropped out of college, and a few years went by, uh, a few lost years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I started just randomly, like, approaching blogs here in town and asking if I could write for them because I was just – I needed a direction, and that was something that I'd always been interested in. Um, so I started blogging for this website called howistheshow.com. Uh, and the guy that ran the site, David DeYoung, he was like, well, I can't pay anything, but I can put you on the guest list for shows yeah. and can, like go review them. And I was like, sold. <laughs> <laughs> so I started doing that like crazy, like three or four shows a week, like wow. just eating it up. Yeah, just really, um, you know, I had like a boring receptionist day job, so I'd uh, go out at night and go to shows and then drag my ass into work and write reviews at at my desk. And, and I just loved it. It was, it was exciting. So it just, honestly, it's been like one kind of gradual snowball from there. It, it started as like volunteering and then it went into, you know, occasional paid freelance gigs for like the alt weeklies. And then um, I started my own website uh, called Reveille Magazine and ran that for a few years. And then I um, got a job as the music editor at City Pages. And that's what I was doing up until I, I moved to NPR. So it's just kind of like one thing led to another. And now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a and classic a, summary. <laughs> what a long way you went, though. And I think the thing that we can agree on is that it started with this kernel of curiosity. It yeah. was a, a passion of yours. And not something you ever thought you would do professionally, or maybe you didn't even have motivations to do it professionally early on, but you always had curiosity around it. And uh, eventually it blossomed into what we see now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think in high school, if you had asked me what I was going to be when I grew up, I was either going to be a marine biologist or a classical piano wow. player. So, um, classic dichotomy. Those two <laughs> I think we've all faced it at some point. <laughs> Do I want to study otters or piano? I don't know. <laughs> Man. Well, I think there's something uh, to be said about the, like, not just the curiosity there, but the tenacity to just keep digging into it. I feel like a lot of people are curious, but they're maybe, maybe willing is the wrong word, but it's sometimes not willing to get, go all the way in. I mean, three or four shows a week volunteering, like that's, like that's a lot of energy. It is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like a level of uh courageousness, fearlessness you need. A lot of people want to know what's inside the box, but not everyone is brave enough to actually look. And so when it when we talk about curiosity, we also have to t- talk about initiative and that without one the other is kind of it's less effective. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Grant, do you do you agree with that? Do you think you need to have some level of like personal bravery of, or courage to truly be curious, or at least capitalize on your curiosity? Mm, for sure, I feel like the like the the bravery idea is beyond 
uh, curiosity even. I feel like so many people um, talk about ambitions or or have like quote unquote dreams and all these things, but there is this level of uh, of willingness. I feel like a, a, a curiosity as to what it will actually take is important. Like normally when we think of curiosity, we think about this like, uh, like open green fields and like, I'm going to go explore my dreams. But I feel like there is another side to curiosity, which is to say, I want to see how the sausage is made. And I'm willing to look if this is something, if I'm interested in being a sausage maker, perhaps I will watch them make the sausage. I feel like that's harder to stomach because, uh, I mean, we talk about self-awareness a lot on here, Vince, but it's this idea that you're sort of demystifying the thing you're interested in. That's what I feel like. That's like the un, whole new level of curiosity that I think can be really, really valuable. But it is like uh, potentially painful. I, I hope that's not too abstract. Was that too abstract? <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense to me actually. Because like I can't think of many other professions other than music journalism that sounds so romantic to people from the outside. Yeah. <laughs> like Truly. oh my god! I mean the the biggest reaction that I get when I you know I'm at a party or whatever and i tell someone what i do it's like that must be so fun yeah like well, it just, is it so fun <laughs> it is really fun but it's also like a job <laughs> yeah um i think there was definitely a part uh for me on my progression where i you know i was as i mentioned working like just a receptionist job and i would fantasize about one day i'm gonna get a job where i can do this for a living and it's gonna be like magic i'm gonna like wake like spring yeah. out of bed every morning so excited to start my day and I'm going to just like write for like six hours at a time. And like, it's going to be amazing. And the reality of that is that it's not true at all. Like, you know, I, I went to city pages and all of a sudden I was writing like a ton, but I was writing so much and balancing so many demands and answering so many emails and managing all these freelancers uh-huh. that like, it was like part administrative assistant, part like project mm-hmm. manager, and then the actual writing was like at two in the morning when I was like right, you know, cl- up close to my deadline, just like cranking it yeah. out at the last minute. <laughs> uh, it was totally different from my little dream world. But um, I, thankfully, I still like it and I haven't burnt myself out yet. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it is super fun. And I see amazing shows and I've met like really crazy cool people. Yeah. And um, that part of it's fun. But there is like you need that tenacity like you mentioned yeah we have a really cool scene here i mean that's got to make it easier or at least more interesting but i'm curious um you're talking about burning out and sort of the demands in general uh, of chasing this stuff uh what like are there any things you do specifically to keep yourself excited or to like find balance um I, that's gotten a lot easier since I moved over to NPR because um, the workload is actually manageable and they try to make it more manageable and they like they're they're really into like work life balance and all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, which was basically unheard of at City Pages. I was like, what's that? When did you move over? How long ago? <laughs> this was in the beginning of 2012. Okay. So I I did a four year stint at City Pages and I basically worked myself to the bone and had no life outside of work and. Um, so to go to an environment where they were really encouraging about kind of taking my time and, and having a personal life. And, mm-hmm. um, that's when I picked piano up like really seriously again. And cool. it started making a, a point to go to shows, not for work, just for fun. Um, stuff that I really am just like 
passionate about maybe bands I've already seen before, but I just know that it's going to be a really good show and I can have a couple glasses of wine or something and and just unplug that way. And um, I've also just made it a really big priority to make time to spend with my friends because I met a lot of amazing people through music, but the truth is that um, most of them end up being acquaintances unless you make plans outside of um, being at shows because being at shows with people is not like a great way to have deep conversations um, or get to know people on a real level. So um, some of my best friends I met first through music and now we have really close friendships and have been able to support each other through just like adult life stuff. Um, So that keeps me charged for sure. Real cool. Uh So when we're talking about uh, kind of, parting the veil and looking at things how they truly are and that layer of curiosity uh, and and also talking about personal lives, I'm immediately kind of reminded of the whole ethos of your new show, The OK Show, and how it's about talking to musicians. A lot of times these are people who live fantastical lives, at least in the minds of others, uh, maybe even are idolized by some and mm-hmm. you're and you're kind of peeling back that layer and going very personal and very real. What has that done to kind of your perspective on music or the music scene? Have you learned anything you wish you could unlearn or has it been like <laughs> generally a positive experience? She saw the sausage and now she can't <laughs> go back. <laughs> exactly. No, it's been amazing. It's been a really good experience. I wouldn't take back a second of it. Um, I, I've definitely learned a lot about people that I thought I knew a lot about through their work that I just learned, you know, a whole new level of them in person. And, um, but for me, it it has only enhanced the art and the experience with the art. I mean, to like a recent example was, um, you know, with zoo animal, a band that broke up recently, I, I sat down with their lead singer, Holly, and she's just had some really immense changes to her life over the last five, six years. And you can hear now when I go back on all these records, you can hear her kind of almost predicting or dreading or wondering about these things that were about to happen to her. And it just, it's great to be able to connect, you know, to something on that level and to understand her in that way and to understand what, where she was coming from when she was writing that, like, it just kind of blows my mind Mm -hmm. um, to be able to do that. And, and I am fascinated by that dynamic of people, being put on a pedestal and being treated like they're flawless and, um, and getting to see their flaws is, is really important, I think, because it's not healthy to think about people in that way. Oh, totally. I, I totally share that fascination. I think even this podcast in some ways is an exercise in that. And we were talking about this on the last episode, Vince, like a lot of my projects do revolve around, like having conversations with people who are in perceived places of power or places of power, but or like who, you know, have some level of notoriety. And I feel like personally, I have grown so much by seeing that quote unquote sausage. And it's seriously, it's like, you just, you just realize, oh, everybody's a person. And so even just sharing (laughs) that stuff, like on your show and sharing that with other people, I think is like super valuable. Yeah, I I tried to also show my yeah. uh, many imperfections um in in the show. I mean, the first episode um was with Charlie Vansky and I was in a huge transition period in my life. I was buying a house and my husband and I were living in my parents' basement Oof. and um 
So I offered to host Charlie at my parents' house. Wow. <laughs> and like the whole time, you know, like their dog's barking and Charlie ends up having to hold the dog so it will stop barking. And then my dad comes in and it's like asking Charlie all these adorable questions. And um, and it was so, I was like at the time, just like, dad, you know, like so embarrassed. And like, I can't believe I'm a 32 year old woman going through this experience right yeah. now. Um, but then I just decided to like keep it in. Like I kept those moments in and I kind of narrated around it, explaining what was happening. And it's like, that's life, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not in a studio. This isn't going to be perfect. The reason that I don't do it in the studio is because I want people to feel na- like natural and comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so it's like warts and all kind of, um, is my approach, I guess. <laughs> no, I mean, I think we had similar approaches in general and vulnerability is the game. I feel like being vulnerable, I don't know. I feel like it can help you even personally so much <laughs> just because you're putting on less of a show for people right? and you just can kind of embrace that. Mm. Yeah. I don't want people to feel like they have to perform for me. I want the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Um, and how many episodes in are you now? Uh, 15. Rad. Very cool. Yeah. I, I really like that. I love that that's your perspective. The more you learn about the gritty details, and not that the details are only gritty or always gritty, uh, but but the details all the same, you, the more you love it. And I think that's what true curiosity is. It's the difference between daydreaming about something and wanting to learn about something, is that the weirder it gets, or even the less weird it gets, the more you're actually interested in it. Right, right. Um, I am curious, uh, we're talking a lot about music and there are some varied pursuits within there, but for me, uh, I also (laughs) need to do something with my hands at all times, uh, in the, in that, like I, I, uh, I don't, when I get bored, I get freaked out. So Mm -hmm. I move on to the next thing. But, um, do you have interests outside of music or anything else that like you feel like keeps you balanced or that you're just super interested in that we wouldn't know? Um, I mean, it's all pretty basic stuff, like <laughs> my, my cats, um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> taking pictures of my cats, putting it on Instagram. No, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I really love, like I mentioned, connecting with people on outside of music too, with my friends and just, I think like the best recharging evening for me is just having like, you know, six of my closest friends over and making like an obscene amount of food for them and making them eat it and, (laughs) and and playing music and just relaxing and like connecting and having it be really just like intimate and comfortable. Totally. So we just got you on a headline saying you knowingly force feed your friends. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Got it. All right. I'm glad we are at an understanding. Grant, I would like to pose a question to you kind of because Maybe, I, and correct me if I have this wrong, by the way. Uh, the more I know you, or the longer I've known you, the more I see stuff that starts as kind of a passing interest, turn into a personal passion, then turn into an actual professional pursuit hmm. over the course of like uh, one year each. What does that look like? Do you Do you have anything in your life that you don't eventually want to like master or blow out or is everything kind of just being played by ear? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I feel like I think about that a lot or I, <laughs> I think about that stuff too, because sometimes I'm just like 
trying to figure out what I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out what I'm interested in, but, uh, trying to figure out what my motivations are with things. Like you said, I'm, I, I definitely have like an obsessed, <laughs> what you're not saying is like, I'm obsessive compulsive. <laughs> I mean, really, truly like I, I, uh, engage with something I like and then I like tr- <laughs> do it to the death of it. Um, but, uh, I don't know, man. I, I feel like there are some things that I just like, or I feel like I'm just like really interested in being good at uh, a few things, like a varied range of things. And I, okay, here's what it is, man. When I get really interested in something, like the more you get into the thing, the more you understand the nuances of it. And you see like, like to me, there's like a ton of beauty in the little subtleties of a, of a community, of a discipline, of whatever. And the more you get into it, the more you understand about it, the more you like see those little pieces of beauty. And so I feel like I'm chasing that a lot of times. Like there's just like endless amounts. If you're truly interested in something like endless amounts of stuff you can consume in that way. Um, so I don't know if I'm really answering your question, but, uh, I don't, I consider it pretty answered. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you take a directive approach to it. You're just passionate about things and you just let them run their course. You don't put a filter on it. You don't put a bridle on it. Certainly you just consume voraciously. I think that's something that, um, we've, we've kind of all touched on today. Uh, I think it's a kind of in the nature of curiosity for us to be kind of insatiable about it dude well okay there is one thing though we've like talked about this on the show before but i feel like the approach i'm taking generally has been like i there are things that i'm super interested whether that's like photography or uh, filmmaking or uh writing or design or like more recently like music stuff like that um you can get good at and, and consistently start to build and they start to feed each other and then you can sort of uh, follow the pathways as they reveal themselves. So it's like, I, f- I think especially now with the democratization of tools and access to like just things to make and be creative with, uh, you can sort of hedge your bets and not that it's like, we're like <laughs> betting to try and win anything at the end of the day. But really, if you want to like do things at a high level, I think like uh, a lot of that just has to do with, I mean, consistency and, of course, like skill, but, uh, let's just say you're doing three things at a really high level, like different doors will open up along the way. And so I think in that way, there's way more flexibility for like, for creative professionals on any level to be good at multiple things and to have opportunities and then maybe follow them as they come versus necessarily saying like, you know, I I think in this, my parents' generation, if they wanted to do like be a singer or be a one thing, they had to like commit to that path and basically follow it and keep going if they were really tenacious. But I think there's just more flexibility now. And it's just like a lot of these things just feed each other. You know, the photography feeds, the design feeds, the whatever. It was like a lot of crossover. It makes sense to me. Um, and I think that was pretty well articulated. Um, (laughs) I got a little hyped there. (laughs) I know you're very passionate. Um, where do you, where do you stand on it, Andrea? Do you do you feel like it's easier now than ever to be interested and maybe even proficient at a lot of different things, um, or is that something that Grant's projecting onto all of us because <laughs> he's so ambidextrous when it comes to his interests and talents? I think what what he's talking about with crossover, that part of it is easier because there is more access to tools and 
teaching yourself how to do different things and connecting with people in different ways. But I think, I don't know, there is like an element of discipline that has to come in because for me, like I am super restless and super curious about a lot of different things, but there's always a point where like my curiosity and that buzz kind of wears off and then I actually have to like work for a little while and it's not that fun, but then it gets fun later again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I kind of think of it like a roller coaster of like ambition and, and drive and stuff. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I don't know. I think you do, you still have to have that element of like, I'm going to push through this even when it's not, um, not awesome all the time. And I am like running on little sleep and like overextending myself. But um, I worry about like, because there are so many different things that people could do that that's like distracting too. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that is a good point. (laughs) I also come from a, even if it's wayward school of thought that like, I'm never going to be the best at anything, but I could be like one of the more interesting combinations (laughs) and that might be, that might be slightly delusional, but (laughs) I'm sticking to it. One has to be right. And one has to be wrong. I don't think those are like opposing viewpoints at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it makes a lot of sense. Let's to me. check back in on this. We'll check back <laughs> on this in a few years. Remind me one year. Um, well, when we're talking about personal taste Ooh. and talking about being the best and wow. maybe not the best, but the best uh, combination. Man, Vince, this is a segue for the ages. <laughs> I was I was trying really hard not to point it out. Not to acknowledge it? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I keep going, it. keep going. We'll, we'll edit that out, right, Vince? <laughs> Uh, and talking to someone who has her finger on the pulse of local taste, although in a music capacity, uh, we would like to ask you, Andrea, in our off-topic topic, something we do every week, uh, what is your favorite local Minneapolis restaurant? Ooh. Hmm. Well, I guess, hold on, you're a St. Paul native now, though, huh? How oh, you- I, I work okay. in St. Paul, but I live in Minneapolis. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Good, good. good. Where good. do you live in Minneapolis? I live near Loring Park. Cool. And then say your address over <laughs> the air and then we'll... <laughs> What's that credit card number? <laughs> uh, here's the cross street. This is where you park. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Lauren, that's a great um, area. Yeah. I, I don't know if I, uh, I should go favorite or just the one that I go to the most. Let's, hear that, let's hear that one, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, okay. So the one I go to the most is Eli's in nice. Minneapolis. Oh, because, yeah, right by Lund's there? Yes. It's got yeah. so much character. Love yeah, that place. It's, it's really close to where I live, and it's easy to just pop over there. And it's th- my favorite thing about it is that I go there not knowing what I want to eat, and it's, they have so many different kinds of things to choose from, yeah. and they're all, like, really high quality. But then I always get the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> what do you get? Uh, a tuna steak sandwich. Wow. Um, yeah. That's so an interesting. I've right never now. had one. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. <laughs> uh, Vinny, what about you? Uh, you also live in the Loring Park. Oh, no, you used to. You moved. Yep. Yep. Recently moved a couple months ago. Um, now I live um, kind of warehouse district area. But I did used to living in Loring Park in a really crappy apartment. Yeah. Uh, the crappiness is well documented this on the show. This is true. This is true. <laughs> uh, I love um, Japanese food. Yes. And my favorite restaurant is kind of a Japanese bar type tapas restaurant that's just two blocks away from me now called Zenbox Izakaya. Ooh. Ooh. I don't think we've ever gone there together, but I feel like one of our favorite meals together has got to be sushi, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think the only times we ever eat together, we eat sushi. Seriously? 
<laughs> Dude. No, I know. I cannot think of one instance where we didn't have sushi together. In the last four years, I think we probably Holy. Wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah. We should do that more often, though. Agreed. Perhaps. Uh, are, you a, are you a fan of Japanese cuisine, Andrea? I am a huge fan. I'm really bummed still that origami clothes because that was another favorite of mine. Yes. Uh, that, we went there for your birthday, Vince. We did, but it's it's reopened now, right? In a smaller location, right? Did they move? I thought they just closed. Uh, yeah, I think they're still open because it's like a block away from my office, actually. Oh, wow. Oh, look at that. I'm going to look that up. They downsized, but it's still really good. I was just there last year for my birthday. Oh, cool. Yeah, that, that place is always awesome. Mm, I'm for also sure. a big fan of Masu Happy yes, Hour. Yes, yeah. Oof, oof. That ramen, though. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, Grant, what's yeah. your favorite yeah. Minneapolis joint? Dude, I've been I've been on it for a while, but now that I live over here, I'm like going there a bunch. Uh, that would be Brasa. Oh my god, such a good choice. Kills me, man. It's so good. <laughs> how can how can a restaurant serve only chicken but still be like top <laughs> ten restaurant? All those sides, all those sides, my friend. Sides are pretty real. The yuca is pretty real there. It's Very pretty good. Real. Very real. Do you have a Do you have a St. Paul spot, Andrea? Um, well, a new one that just opened up that I've already been to like four times in the last month is uh, Dark Horse. Yes, I went there a couple weeks ago before a show of some sort. Yeah, that's. I think that's going to be like my new go to place. Yeah, soon. super awesome. Oof. What I I'm illiterate when it comes to Dark Horse. What What <laughs> do they do? So it's um, one of the owners of Muddy Waters opened her own place in St. Paul. It's right off like 7th and Wakuda, I think, by the new stadium. And um, it's very similar in like ambiance to Muddy Waters, but the food there is more leaning towards like almost like Middle Eastern flair. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they have like, I think, fried date balls is one of the appetizers <laughs> and like a bunch of different curries and rice balls. And but then they have like pizza and bar food type yeah, stuff. Too. I had some wings when I was there. I'm a wings aficionado and nice. they were quite good. They're like the full wings, you know, it's like. The actual wings. The really feather's cool. still on and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> they make you uh, kill the chicken. <laughs> what? Where do you eat in Loring Park? Oh, yeah, you already told us, Eli's. Where do you have a, a restaurant that you don't really like? Uh, <laughs> well, it's it's a little tricky for me because I only eat fish, and then I'm mostly vegetarian. Ah, uh, yes, okay. So no way. There's a lot of like all the new hot places in Minneapolis are always like it's another super meat heavy place where yeah. we do like comfort food but fancy and it's fried chicken. So this is classic. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, that's actually have, very true. There's, there's a new uh, there's that new like butcher or like vegan like butcher yes. shop or something right that yeah herbivorous butcher yes 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 yes, yes. so excited about those guys nice <laughs> have you but been yeah, yet um i haven't been to the shop i have been to like their pop-ups that they've done and bought like every single thing that they <laughs> sell but yeah i guess if i had a least favorite it would just be like anywhere that i've gone where they don't really cater to vegetarians and yeah. then they like act really rude about it and i'm like fine <laughs> Jeez, I mean, you'd think in Minneapolis they could they'd understand, but I it's guess shocking to me. I mean, I anytime I travel outside of here, like New York or Chicago or even like similar sized cities, there's so many options for vegans and vegetarians, and we just mm-hmm. we don't really have any like full full scale vegan places here. It's crazy. Totally, damn our Midwestern Scandinavian roots. <laughs> <laughs> man, oh man. Well. I want to go now. I want to go to Brasa and Eli's. So. <laughs> I'm I, really hungry now. <laughs> I would. Uh, I would certainly go to Brasa with you, Vince, and maybe we pop over 
Get some sushi some night soon. Mm-hmm. I'll look for a calendar invite, man. Yeah, yeah, that's the only way. <laughs> that's the only, only way our, our friendship by- happens, man. <laughs> uh, it's uh, the woes of adulthood. Uh, truly, truly. But also, perhaps like the efficiencies. <laughs> exactly, man. Mm. Well, okay. So, is this the part where you start uh, a really subtle transition, and then halfway through, I call it out as a flawless segue? <laughs> yeah you want to do that again uh i actually i'm gonna flip the script and i'm gonna call out that meta segue and i'm going to ask andrea and us to jump back into the topic for some last thoughts i'll allow it andrea would you be so kind as to answer us two questions to kind of like uh wrap things up for us yeah and you can just answer these in order firstly how can our listeners support you I, oh, should I wait for the well, second yeah, question? Yeah, you, you made it seem okay. like she should wait for the second question. I'm trying out something where I don't say both the questions right away, and then I let the guest actually breathe and answer one question at a time. But Well, so it's, it's, it's an interesting strategy then to, to say that there are two questions, because it sets up the expectation that the second question is coming. And it, it felt like if had she started talking, you would have gone, second. <laughs> I was waiting. Yeah, I, that's what the real you know, goal is is to make it as awkward as possible. I don't, I, I don't know what episode we started doing this on, but because I, I was going to say about eighty episodes down, and this is still the clunkiest uh, part of our show. But hey, you always have to be innovating, man. You can't. <laughs> I'm trying new things, man, and you, and now here you're criticizing. All right, all right, all right. Be vulnerable. I'm sorry, man. This is a safe space. <laughs> this is a safe space. You don't want to get bored, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well said. Thanks for sticking up for me, Andrea. (laughs) Rare. Our listeners support you. I think the biggest thing right now is just um, like clicking on things that I write and (laughs) and listening to the podcast because um, yeah, the reality is that a lot of the stuff that I do is like on the web and and they look at all the metrics for that stuff and I want to show people that like you know, it's resonating or, or that people are digging it. So like subscribing to my podcast and iTunes, I feel so lame just saying. No, it's okay. And I I will give you, give a shout like a genuine testimony. Like the okay show is really dope and it's really well produced without getting too far away from the realness and uh, yeah, really cool conversations. So I would definitely check that Mm out. Uh, I know they can search okay show in like the app, but is there like anywhere else they should find it? Yeah, you can. I mean, if you just search okay show or my name, it it'll pop up. Um, and there's like a landing page on the blog over at, um, at the current.org, uh, that you can find. (laughs) Um, if you just search on the current for the okay show, there's like a landing page with all the episodes and like, um, actually my, uh, photographer that I work with at, at the current Nate Ryan, he's been doing these amazing portraits of each of the guests so um you get to hear the audio and then you get to actually see them like in their practice spaces and um there's cool really beautiful pictures of each of the people too that's really awesome oh and i mean uh green room homie uh ali was a recent guest too and he's so he's got that encyclopedic uh hip-hop knowledge and that just genuine passion that homie's great that's a good episode too he has the best laugh oh my god (laughs) yeah he's good people well, listeners, if you are too lazy to do any of those very simple things, we will also we'll show, show notes, yeah, yeah. all of that. So it'll be super easy to find. Uh, and I'm going to listen after we're done here because uh, this has been so cool that I want to 
I just want more Andrew Swenson in my life. Aww. Uh, so just send her, said, send her a calendar invite, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get one of those on the books eventually. I'll send. Yeah, you'll get one in about ten minutes that says me listening to your podcast alone <laughs> in my apartment, and it'll be really weird. I'm picturing. I will yes. <laughs> I'm picturing us inviting her to Eli's one night. Like, hey, let's meet up. It's gonna be so fun. And then we show up with like computers and mics in tow. <laughs> Sounds okay. like us. Yeah. Second question, finally. Andrea. Here we are. If you would like our listeners to take one thing away from your time on the show, what would you want that to be? I would say that um, it's never too late to try something new and keep trying different things and exploring things that you're passionate about. And um even if it doesn't turn into something professional, that the stuff that it can bring to your life is is really, like, just can't be overstated. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, learn piano or start a blog or take cooking class or something. Like, that's the kind of stuff that gets me through the more boring, like, rote parts of my, my life. <laughs> mm, hell, yeah. I, that's, like, a nice, that's a nice reminder to me and also a nice, I don't want to say, it's a, sort of a contrast to, the the rant I went on before about like <laughs> you know but not everything needs to uh, be recognized or be you can do things at a certain level without it being professional too and it can still be incredibly valuable to your life yeah absolutely uh, yeah that's think, a good like, reminder for me <laughs> absolutely I think kind of the the most uh, maybe. Mm, insightful thing isn't the right word, but maybe the most meaningful thing to me today that we talked about was the fact that you, Andrea, are someone who's very passionate about music uh, and you talk to performers every day, maybe, or you're at least involved with them every day. And uh, you're someone who who practices music and loves music, but you have no desire to perform it. And yeah. <laughs> it, kind of these these self-instituted limitations and they're not even limitations they're just you pursuing your thing how you want to pursue it it's very interesting to me and uh i think it's pretty cool oh thanks hell yeah thank you thank you for sharing uh all the stuff you do really thank you for the okay show i think that's such an awesome thing and for you know inspiring some homies and sharing some real conversations and sharing your time today yeah this was a really cool conversation thanks guys The pleasure is truly all ours. But guess what? We have one more thing we want you to do for us. I hope it's not singing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Are you a singer? And now with a cut off her new album, take it away. (laughs) No, I am not a singer. No karaoke. No. (laughs) Same here. Uh, No. What we would like you to do is sign us off. So we close every show with our kind of rally and cry, which is ship it. It's just those two words, ship it. Uh, and so if you could give us and our listeners a resounding Andrea Swenson ship it, that would be so awesome. I can do that. Ship it. 